You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch battle research. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the day that won the battle. Well, good luck! Target is in, target is Never miss communication. My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd to Know Basis Show, airing on Phoenix 92.5 FM and all those wonderful places on the internet like Spotify and of course our own channel. Uh, I am Kean, and with me this week are Kev, Kev, and Katie. Hello, Kev. 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 I can't. I was trying to figure out if it sounded like you were falling off a cliff or falling asleep, but there's definitely something is in motion there. He's no, falling it's, it's, asleep it's... while falling off a cliff. Oh. That's, yeah, it's somebody who is very sleepy, but also very excited to see you walk, see you walk into the room. Hey. hey. <laughs> right. I will try and get the energy up, and I will do so with a game. So, an activity, if you will. Maybe you can oh, no. at home. So, we are going to cover a few video games today. Some new releases, some re-releases. Uh, but so first of all, Kev is going to take us weeks. on a journey, and I challenge Kev to take us on a certain journey without saying the word family, and we'll now, see how far he gets. And I wonder if anyone has figured out what film series you might want to talk about that would involve family, and it's not the instant. Incredible. So, Kev, Although, Kia, you're, you're you're forgetting first off that it's actually it's pronounced family. <laughs> Who had two <laughs> seconds? <laughs> there was no way there was simply no way because the fast and the furious franchise is rooted in family um okay now yeah. it's a drinking game instead <laughs> yeah now it's every single time maybe not while you're driving uh so but yeah how since... else will you get furious oh yeah do they, so... they ever said like drive responsibly in a fast and furious movie Absolutely not. And also, <laughs> nobody has ever stopped for petrol. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, what about the time they siphoned the petrol out of those trucks? Well, I mean, they didn't technically stop, but... To be fair, in Fast and Furious 2, the cars were CGI. So, like, you know, where are you going to get CGI petrol? Uh, uh, from yeah. the CGI gas station. Oh, they had to, like, drive through cars. <laughs> it's a crossover. <laughs> Now that's crossover of the century. Lightning McQueen and Vin Diesel. I take it. <laughs> uh, Ciao. Oh my God. 
Okay, yes, we are talking about the Chow. Uh, a franchise that has as now has as many films as Star Wars. It should be worth pointing out. So, uh, Kev, take us through your journey. Did you binge all of these at once, or what? Oh what yeah, doing? no, I shotgun ten of these things uh, <laughs> over the course of a weekend. For the record, disclaimer: I have yet to actually watch ten. Okay, well, we I have seen ten of these movies. Ago. I have not watched Fast Ten. I so will Hobbs get and Shaw. Yeah, Hobbs and Shaw. The Vatican or something. It's fine. Um, and yeah, no, I have been sitting on this. I'm wanting to talk to somebody about this, but it turns out not a lot of people I know have seen all of the Fast and Furious movies. You weren't around. Right, I'm putting my hand up. <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly just blaming my fiance. <laughs> uh, now that was well, audible. You just like walk in and you were in the middle of like Tokyo Drift and you were like, my secret shame. <laughs> oh, there was nothing secret about this. I was giving her <laughs> updates constantly. So I have a, I, I have written a t- a ranked list of all you of the Fast Furious movies. Yeah. He did his oh, own A ranked work. list with thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into it, though, I'm sure everyone knows by now, we did cover the rough chronology of the... Fast and Furious series before. If you missed that, we'll just say that it's on a par with Kingdom Hearts as far as... It's not that complicated. It's just the third movie takes place after, like, the next five. (laughs) You say that, but, like, there's also, like, kind of interlinked, like, characters from one come back in another, and, like, there's linking threads and all that. That's the thing. That's, That's what has, like shook me about all this it is one of the most shockingly cohesive film franchises yes i've seen like there's a solid four movie run from like four through eight where it is picking up right where that left off and we oh we have things to take care of oh completely it's like i mean i'm sure you're gonna get into it but like it's really bizarre watching the series because like the first one is just like a film, a good film, but like just a film, you know? Yeah. And the second one is made by people who clearly don't care. And the third one who is made by people who do care, but want to do something different. And then after that, like all of like the things that didn't work in those first couple are all brought back by people who do care. It's like, it's like you're watching them fix it up in real time. It's really, it's like, imagine like, if the people who made the Fast and the Furious were in charge of like the Star Wars prequels, Jar Jar Binks would have been in four films by now in a central role. That's the level. And, and we care about them. That's yes, the thing. Exactly. So uh, I, I'll, I'll give I'll give the kind of the, the quick rundown of, of my thoughts and rankings of them. Also, I need to point out that the naming conventions for this franchise are insane. That's where I draw the Kingdom Hearts kind of comparison, yes. Yeah, truly the scrimblings of a ra- of a madman. <laughs> uh, so, I'll start number 10, least favourite was Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, sorry, really? pardon me. It's full title, <gasps> Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, that looked good. Hobbs and Shaw was amazing. It, do you know what? It is a fun romp, but it lacks the, the, the heart and cohesion that the likes of Paul Walker and Vin Diesel bring to it, and you're left with two main characters snarking at each other for three quarters of the movie, which is fun in isolation. Does not make for I did not find engaging 
on a character concept. No, the but the back does, end of the movie it is does good. Speak, well, I mean, we'll get into the plot, but like it does speak to the sturdiness of the Fast and Furious. Yeah, uh, two reformed villains from the Fast and Furious series can now team up and fight a newer villain, and everyone doesn't go what? Like they just yeah. go, yeah, that seems legit. Um, like, and also, you imagine if like the Dark Elf and like Ultron got their own movie together that's how bizarre like point a to point b is like you know yeah but it also helps that hobbs and shaw are two very recognizable action actors in the rock and jason statham sure but they still had to be kept interested by the franchise um but yeah the other big thing i have in although the fact that idris elba is like black superman thoroughly entertaining like terminator there is a Terminator character, but we'll get back to that. <laughs> That's seven. But <laughs> I did. I really didn't like the fact that he had actual superpowers that were explained. Because the thing about what? the Fast and Furious, the thing about the Fast and Furious franchise that I love so much is that it is larger than life in a way that is ill-defined. In that Vin Diesel can make his car do feats of superhuman strength by sheer will alone. And it's 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 something there's something magic in that. And I think actually giving somebody defined superpowers takes away from it. So it's now it was too unrealistic for a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, it was it was it was a little too silly. And what again, about, what about have... the family magic? Oh, there's what? family magic. That's it. Yeah. It like it 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 had that kind of root theme in with with Jason Tatham and his sister. And but the I think, Rock's like, family. And the Rock's family on Samoa, yeah. It like, but I think. Oh my it, god, it, I haven't seen Hobbs There's a new family. Ah, uh, like it's 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 all very much the underlying theme of family, right? Um, I don't know. Like, out of all of them, it's the one I was least interested in. Okay, and the one I kind of it was the one I stopped halfway through and had to come back the next day. Oh, okay, that's a good barometer. Um. So number nine on my list is Fast and Furious. Not to be mixed up with The Fast and is the this Furious. Number four, is it? This is number four. Okay, right. Um four, yeah, four, as you mentioned, the first three are kind of a hodgepodge of figuring out, oh, we can do more with this car movie. Four is them taking it and starting what would be kind of the saga of the Fast and Furious. Yeah, four is the one where they decided actually this is going to be a narrative series. Yeah, but it is the least exciting of that of like that franchise going forward, and is also less exciting than the other three movies that preceded. Yeah, because it is it's four is a weird one where it in a quality sense it is better than mm. the first three maybe, but they haven't quite figured out a way to do the melodrama. Yeah, and the crazy stuff because doesn't it involve like Michelle Rodriguez it's... like getting shot and isn't Gal Gadot in the mix as well? And, yeah, like... so like I think fair spoilers all across for the whole franchise, but yeah, Michelle Rodriguez gets murked off screen within the first like, twenty minutes of the movie, mm. and the the rest of the thing is Vin Diesel on a revenge quest through the cartel yeah. of which yeah Gal Gadot's like a like a prime agent of, and like that's it 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 is dull and it's ending just is a muddied car trace through a cave. Yeah, it's really weird. If you mix, like, the third one, Tokyo Drift, and this together, you would get what is now a standard Fast and Furious movie, but the elements just aren't together. It's like they're in two different bowls, like... Yeah. Two different movies. 
it builds on what would be better about things later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next it's up, number eight. Place, but they haven't hit their stride yet. Like, yeah, they're they're working the right direction. Next up, then is Too Fast, Too Furious. I was gonna say, if Too Fast, Too Furious isn't next, I'm quitting. Like, <laughs> I am charmed by it because it does introduce us to Roman and Tej, who are two of the best characters in this franchise. Yes, but not until later. I still think they're fun in this. It's like it's it's very like it is very much a standard Miami Vice buddy cop movie. Oh but no, with, for me, for me too is the absolute worst. I like I get I I think I think Paul Walker carries it for me. True, you do have Paul Walker, but like to me, it's very easily the most dated of all of them. Like because oh certainly, like the cars are CGI. Like you, you're like happily the cars are CGI. Like you're only there for cars, really. Uh, yeah. And but also like. This, apart from Paul Walker, like the supporting cast is very like I find them to be very cringy, and you've got like, um, like one of the actors from Sin City, and you've got uh, who's the other? Is it Ludacris? Is the other one or Ludacris is Tej? Yeah, Ludacris is Tej. Yeah, yeah, and like they're just they they're better later, but like they're just kind of explosive and loud, and like I to be honest, I can't, I've seen it twice. I cannot remember the plot. I just remember feeling very old watching it. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 and it, it is as rote like Miami buddy cop. Like they are they are stopping a drug kingpin in Miami. Like yeah, you've seen like, it. It's Scarface. It's like I mean, I didn't watch it when it came out, but as soon as like I saw clips of it, I was like, right, Fast and Furious is done. They've run out of ideas. Yeah, even no, it, it's not here. It might be that it's like it's obviously it was the second one I watched. I did enjoy it at least. A little bit. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe insert. Maybe I'll go back to it with a fresher eye. But like, I I find that one to be the most aggravating. Hmm. Uh. Well, moving swiftly onwards, number seven on my list is the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Okay, In... I find that one quite charming. But uh, it is, see. and that's why it's ranked higher than Too Fast, Too yes, Furious. Yes, absolutely. But it is still absurd in ways that are just. It is absurd in ways that are, like, interesting. Most of which is trying to convince us, in any semblance, that this 30-year-old man is a high school student. Yes, the, the country bumpkin guy. With a dubious with southern accent. Yes. It's so bizarre. It's like, because, like, doesn't it start, and he's in, oh, you can't see American me. high school, yeah. High school. Uh, with all these like a bunch of other thirty-year-old people doing their drag racing to impress girls and stuff and blah. and it has the makings of like an awful film. And then I don't know, 20, 30 minutes in, it gets weirdly sincere in a way that holds my attention, you know. But is also camp and funny. Like, uh, what's oh god, Twisty? No, the the rapper, his friend in that. I can't remember his name now. Hmm. Um. Like he has a weird like Hulk car that has a punch like. Oh dead. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's also goofy as hell <laughs> uh, throughout, and then just kind of like beelines into a Yakuza movie. Like it is it is an odd curiosity that is also a like it is in itself like a fundamental pin of this franchise. Exactly, <laughs> but that's what I kind of like about it. The impression I got was that someone who didn't care came up with a basically the Fast and the Furious one again, but Tokyo. And then a director who did care came in and like, right, we're going to take, we're going to work this 
until it works. And they didn't get all the way, but considering the elements, they did a damn good job. It is the anti Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, Too Fast, Too Furious has a, has a concept that could work, but it feels very thrown together. Where here is a flawed concept that everyone worked really hard at and they deserve a star, gosh darn it. And we got Han. Yes. Net positive. <laughs> oh, Han, um, Han is like, Han is so good. They have broken this franchise to keep him. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think, I'm, am I right in saying, yeah, this was the first movie directed by Justin Lin? Yes. Yeah, he on and off director of throughout the rest of the franchise, but typically yeah. is like known for the best or the Yeah, and the movies. film looks gorgeous, it should oh, be yeah. said. Uh, number six I have is The Fate of the Furious, number eight. Still so a blast. Your number six on your list is number eight yes, from Fast and is the This is going to get so confusing yeah. so quickly. This <laughs> is the submarine, is it? Uh, this is the one with the submarine. Charlize Theron is the hacker, yeah. Katie, do you have any questions? <laughs> I, I'm just going <laughs> to sit this one out. <laughs> just let it wash over later. here. Charlize yeah. Theron is evil in a submarine. and she's All, all I know is she has a terrible Vinny. haircut. What? The, oh, the cornrows are dreadful. She gets a better haircut in the next one. Oh, is that the one where she has cornrows? Okay, it's the newest one. Then she has a terrible haircut. Uh, it's better than the cornrows. Yeah, but it's like it's like a like a bowl cut or. It's yeah, it's like hair was put on her head. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Not to segue uh, too far, but I saw an ad for Fast Ten. Apparently, they've got like Brie Larson now. I don't know. They could have anyone at this point, and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Uh, oh my but my issues with Fast 8 are the issues that the fan base were absolutely rampant in. So, hmm? broad strokes, Han dies at the end of Tokyo Drift. Right. And the uh, and the next five movies after that take place before that because all of them have Han in it. Yes. Seven introduces the fact that Han was actually killed by that movie's bad guy. Yeah. Sure. Eight. Sure. Jason Statham. Yeah, eight turns around and is has Shaw have a very quick redemption arc and right. has him be brought into the family when Han is still dead. Okay, because like to be honest, I didn't check out eight because look, I'm sure you'll get to it, but seven feels like a very good we're done point, you know. Mm. So I was wondering how they were going to navigate. So you don't feel like they navigated that and, successfully? No, and that and it is also like to kind of talk broadly as well. It was during the filming of Seven, Paul Walker passed away in a mm. car accident. Um, and like he he is one of the main characters. He is like, he's almost where Vin Diesel would be like the kind of the stone, the the rock, not not the rock. Who's in he this? comes later. <laughs> but like where he's kind of like the, the foundational core of these movies. Yeah. Paul Walker was like the emotional heart. He's, yeah, he's the Peter Quill. Like, yeah. You know, he's the one that except we like him, you know. Him. And so, like his death, there was a there was a large hole in eight mm. that they just could not really fill. Not even not that even that the movie was built around him, but like it just it is missing him. No, uh, and he, what, is, he is the emotional center yeah. because it, throughout it doesn't he go out with Vin Diesel's sister and then they mm. start a family. Uh, yeah, and that whole thing. They, I mean, they there do is manage a, a story logic to him leaving that character, leaving them behind. Oh go be a dad instead of jumping cars off cliffs in Dubai or whatever. But mm. like oh, well, you have, but you'd have to work hard to make them without him. Like, 
yeah yeah i think they do they like i'll talk about it with nine they do improve on that and right. kind of like make that gap a little bit better but like it was stark moving from seven to eight without him um right. but even like aside from that eight is still a blast it has Charlie's thrown hacking cars that they are raining from the sky. <laughs> um, they fight a they fight a nuclear submarine in cars. The Rock throws a torpedo with his hands. It's it's still a blast. <laughs> Very um, also also actually, and my other big gripe with eight is that they killed Elena pretty unceremoniously, and she was a character who I felt had a lot of potential. Oh no, she. Yeah, because that's it's it's. Did you watch eight? No, you didn't. You just said no. You didn't. I, only, I stopped at no. seven. No, yeah. I'll I'll leave off any finer details, but like the whole conceit of eight was that Charlie's Throne had uh, had dirt on Vin Diesel, and he has to betray the family. I saw that in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it's it. Yeah. It it's figuring itself out after a pretty drastic shift that I just don't think it worked as well as it could have. Okay. Um, next on then we have a uh, Furious Seven. Really, that low? I think what I what I'm what I'm looking at here, what I think I wrote here is that like all of the movies from here on out are great. Right, Seven I think ranks under them compared to every other one. Um, but it has The Rock flexing out of a cast. Yeah, no, still a blast. The moment that I... made my then girlfriend at the time scream. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm right there with her. It's yeah, <laughs> great. Uh, this is the one where they they murdered the bad guy of six, Owen Shaw, played by Luke Evans. His brother is back, who is Jason Statham. Yeah, and uh, great. What you mentioned earlier, this is the one where Jason Statham basically plays a Terminator and is just <laughs> constantly chasing them. And that's a great conceit. Uh, I think the only thing holding it back is that they introduced this this warlord who just has goons, and they are just goons for the sake of goons. Okay. I suppose uh, five, six, and seven, you can kind of put them in any order, and it's kind of like a fairly close race. Yeah, like that's, it is, it is, it is lacking in only the fact that I think every other movie is better in some marketable way. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying to remember, like, kind of... I was just impressed that they managed to weave Tokyo Drift into its narrative quite seamlessly. seamlessly. Mm. So that's, I think a lot of these, like, yeah, five through seven kind of, like, did the heavy lifting of what makes Tokyo so Tokyo Drift so great, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number four, we have the first, the original, The Fast and the Furious. Okay, which must and seem I quite think... quaint now. None of them are flying cars in space. It does, but you know what? This has... It is the groundwork, and it has everything that I love dearly about this franchise in the, the in the relationship between Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Mm. Like it's it's no, it's Point Break. <laughs> it's just with Point cars. Break with cars, but it works because both of these actors are so dialed in. I think it, like I think it's still a blast, barring some two thousand and one slurs that get thrown around. I think it holds up. Yeah. Ooh, the F-slur gets thrown out within the first five minutes. It's That's not right. great. And, and, and Fast and the, the first Fast and the Furious is like 
Like, you know, the kind of the assumptions people make about the Fast and Furious franchise, but they haven't actually seen it. Yeah. Like, you know, about the misogyny and sort of all that kind of stuff. To be yeah. fair to those people, that stuff is there in Fast 1. Yeah. It is a pretty, like, you know... Of its time. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still think, like, like, again, focusing on the narrative, like, it has all of the elements that will carry this through an 11 movie franchise. Yes. In... Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez. Like they that core is there. And I just I think they got it like they got it right from the go. Yes. These characters don't fundamentally change from what that movie establishes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I can There's see growth, but like they are still the same character from then. Yeah, the foundations, it's like the first Iron Man. The foundations are there. Like. Okay. Well, go so on. I, I think it holds its up. Yeah. Top three then. Uh, top three, we have F9. Uh, I haven't seen that. Give me a quick have synopsis. Not. So the quick synopsis is that uh, Vin Diesel, Dom Toretto, has a brother. <laughs> Do you know who his brother is? You can't see it is, it is John Cena. Oh, my God. After, which actually... What one of the things I like I love Nose Rate Nine is how it ties itself to the rest of the franchise. The core plot, one of the core plot elements of Nine, is Dom Tourette, is Dom's dad's death, right. which he mentions in the first movie. And like, and the whole reason homework. that like Dom, and the whole reason that Dom went to jail for beating a guy with a tire wrench. Uh, like we get, we finally get that happening. We finally get why he did that. Okay, all right. Um, Look, anything I, alike the brothers? No, not a not a bit, not at all. <laughs> but but the sincerity sells it because really you'd want to make him brothers or like have some distant relation to the Rock, so you can have some wrestling type stuff. No, nope, absolutely not. Uh, no, John Cena is Dom Toretto's brother, uh, and on top of that, is now working with the bad with Charlie's Theron, the bad guy from Eight. Uh, to get a to get a giant super weapon because that's what these movies are about now. Um, oh my god! Is the super weapon a giant car? No, it's 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 an orb. An orb? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're going after it's, an infinity stone. Sorry, sorry. No, actually, sorry. I I need to I need to clarify. I am spoiling <laughs> not. I am spoiling the hell out of nine. It's an orb in two halves and a human girl. <laughs> oh my god. Also, hands back from the dead. Fast and Furious, the spirits within. Oh, and that's <laughs> not even the craziest part. They they fly a car into space. Fast and Furious, birth by sleep. Uh, Cargo space. Like, <laughs> and you know, and you know who they get to help them fly this car into space? The Tokyo. boys from Tokyo Drift. What? Yeah. Who? They're back. It's after, and they're finally the actually the adult men. Tokyo Drift. You're joking. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, that's it. Fast Night is fan service, and it's excellent. Oh, my God. Um, it's, it's wacky, it's silly, and it is what this franchise does at its best. Holy moly. Um, okay, go on. I'm, I'm excited to hear top two now. Well, I mean, it's obvious at this point if you can kind of deduct. Uh, number two is six. Yeah. Which, as I mentioned, is Luke Evans. Luke uh, Evans, kind of, London, rock. Luke Evans, team. London. It's he. He's basically a very prototypical, like, super comic book villain. Mm. 
Uh, but the kind of the gimmick is that he forms an almost mirror universe Fast and Furious team to the one we know. That's right. And isn't Michelle Rodriguez on the team? So after, as we mentioned, in four, she is murdered. At the end of five, we find out she's alive. But and she impressively, don't they get that actor from Fast and Furious 2, the one from Ghost Rider, back to actually be in a scene? Yeah, detect- no, she's the one that tells, that tells The Rock that Letty's alive. Um, I'm gonna get, I, know, I know it's Eva something. I'm going to look it up now. Uh, Eva Longoria? Longoria? Yeah. No, not Eva Longoria. Um, she's the one that's in Ghost Rider. Uh, I will find now. Eva uh, Mendes. Could be. One second. Just talk amongst yourselves, everyone. I'm going at the um, speed of... But yeah, so she she is actually back, but she has lost her memories and then has to fight, like gather spaceship Eva parts. Eva Mendes, yes. Eva Mendes. She has to gather spaceship parts with Luffy Evans for another super <laughs> weapon. Because as I said, that's what this film franchise is about now. <laughs> uh, actually, that's and that's another reason why Seven, I think, ranks so low for me is because they kind of just fix the memory problem out of nowhere at the end of the movie. They brought Which her I was back a little bit dead out of nowhere. Yeah, but <laughs> it's it, oddly enough, it's eerily similar to the Gamora thing in Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't it? Since we're getting over that now, a little bit. But like that's by the end of seven, she has her memories in terms back. Of the and dramatic just... stakes, like yeah, uh, but yeah, six blast. The tank scene's great. I forgot. No, no, it's o- only only succeeded. Only made it to two because I think the best one out of all of them is Fast Five. <laughs> oh yeah, they put that. That's the one where they just turn it into an, a heist Avengers type thing. Exactly. It's it's not no. The back half of the movie is a heist movie. The mm. first half is fixing every problem we've had with the <laughs> other previous four movies. <laughs> yeah. Even to the point of bringing back the scumbag Vince from the first movie. And well, let's give this guy, this little man, a lot of pathos. <laughs> That's just it. It probably launched like Gal Gadot's career, like you know. Probably, yeah. And then, yeah, like it's like Avengers style. Thirty minutes into the movie, we just get like a smattering of all of your favorite characters from the past four movies. Yeah, that you half remember, Wait, like Tej Wait, and Wayne, Roman. Wayne the Rock Johnson being the cop who's determined to take them down and pulling a safe down a road, and that's all- yeah. No, and out of all, like there's some great action set pieces in this movie. In this franchise, the cars going the the diving the cars out of the moving plane is great. Uh, as I mentioned, I flying the car into space, excellent. The the two cars driving the room sized safe yes. in Sao Paulo is the best is the best of all of them because of the just the whack ass stuff that they do with that safe. <laughs> like they're kind of they're slingshotting it around like a mall <laughs> through the streets of Sao Paulo. It's a blast. <laughs> Oh my god. Katie, any questions? So many. <laughs> Start going. I've got so much knowledge, Katie. I need to talk. I, need to talk I, to I, I don't think we have time. Just each each question raises several further questions. <laughs> just raises further questions. <laughs> but I am I am here. I'm along for the ride. Keep right, yeah. Right in the passenger seat with the nitrous oxide. <laughs> <laughs> I, what, what I'm, I think what I'm getting at is I would thoroughly recommend watching 10 Fast and Furious movies over the course of two days and it is an adrenaline high like I have not felt in a long I, time I, well, but the problem is though it's you have to pitch it to them like no it doesn't get really good till around 5 that's a big commitment on trust I would actually do you know what I, I would nearly recommend 
doing what I did and mm-hmm. going sight unseen into eight. I went to see oh, eight wow. when it came out with a bunch of friends however many years ago. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about the franchise. And mm-hmm. next thing I know, The Rock is tossing a torpedo. I was in. As I mentioned, the only reason I think eight falls low in my estimations is because of what it does with the established canon. Right. Not understanding the backstory, that movie's a blast. You don't need it's the one you don't need to know anything about. Okay, all right, all right. So if you if you want to see what the Fast and Furious movies have become, eight. <laughs> if you like that, go back. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be an interesting experiment. Just watching the first Fast and Furious and intercutting it with like the crazy stuff from later, like space and like all that kind of stuff. Paul Walker being like browbeaten for being an undercover cop. It's going to seem like small potatoes <laughs> once they've stopped an orb from space. Hey, from remember, how the start of this franchise was them, remember how the start of this franchise was them stealing VCRs? Oh, yeah. God, speaking of things that are dated. <laughs> and then they steal a a bank vault in Sao Paulo with like eleven million. And like Fast Twelve is like the world has lost the Wi-Fi. We need to send you up in a car shuttle. No, again, they did that in nine <laughs> in a Pontiac Ferrera. They sent the boys into space. And the last uh, five Academy Award winners will be with you. <laughs> Does Kurt uh, Russell stick around? By the way, I saw he was in Seven. He cameoed in nine okay all right all right so uh, it's all he's, he's in eight he's he's significant in eight yeah cameoed yeah. in nine <laughs> okay all right well i hate to put you in the driving seat again but i believe in our texts you wanted to talk about something that is incredible incredibly not on like you know sweeping the nation at the moment we want to talk about Final fantasy 16 and 8 i believe well, Which speaking one... of things that I think are incredibly silly and end up in space, I will talk about Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you because... want to take eight, and then I'll take, because I've got a few games as well, but I'm slightly worried that we won't have time for all of them. Casey, no, I, think... I feel so bad for you. Are you sure you don't want to talk about a film or something? No, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just enjoying hanging out. I've been away for too long. Okay. All right. All just... right. Well, then. Okay, I cool. So I... for Kev. Kev, in 30 seconds... Without giving away the ending, pitch Final Fantasy VIII to Katie. Well, well that won't be ha- that won't be hard because I actually haven't finished it yet. Okay. In, in in a separate weekend fugue state, I shotgunned the first two discs of Final Fantasy VIII. Right. Um, which is about a military high school. <laughs> oh, I've played this one. <laughs> oh, with the side boy. Yeah. Yeah, I've like this that- is the, like the only one I've actually played. Yeah, the sad boy with the gun it's sword. The yeah, only one yes. you've played. It's the only one I've played, and he has the sexy teacher with the whips. Yeah, this <laughs> is the only one you've played. Yeah, and then the girl who shoots the corgi off her wrist. There's so <laughs> many good Final Fantasy games. This is the only one you've played. Yeah, and the the, like, the tutorial level is you. like you're running away from a giant robot spider. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. I'm very sorry. I, you know what? Let me have a feeling. Kev, could you finish your synopsis, please? Um, no, because <laughs> it's 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 about military high school, and then you have to stop a wizard. Like, oh, it's much more complicated. Oh no, it's much more than that. But that's the broad sweep in seconds. 
because you also okay. like as a as like a, a quick blurb it's impressive yes you have kind of hit all the beats there yes um but like it is also like i have not played every final fantasy but of the i'd say half of the franchise i've played this is off this is easily the silliest and most anime which is because weird because it has a very grungy aesthetic yeah, but then you get stuff like again the military high school that that flies the military high school that flies that culminates disc two with a battle between two flying high schools. See, I feel but, like you're doing the game a disservice because it's not as cohesive as you're making it sound. No, I'm like, not. I, I, but, I'm apart from the online ones, which are eleven and fourteen. I think I have played every Final Fantasy game. I don't count the mobile ones because a lot of them don't come out of Japan, but. Uh, yeah, it's like this is the one that obviously followed Final Fantasy VII. So, like, it's for me what holds back eight in a big way is with seven they had all this like groundbreaking graphics technology, and um, with eight they tried to leap it further again, but the PlayStation One wasn't quite up to it, and so it looks a bit janky. And on top of that, it's got a really weird time travel plot that doesn't really pay off until the end and even then it's dubious like what do you find appealing about eight um i think like what as i'm going back because i'm i'm coming at this as somebody who had not very little knowledge of it and okay. was big into seven and nine right right and having this now be a kind of a connecting tissue between those two seeing that because like i can see because obviously seven was ground shattering mm. like that was that was a that was a cultural reset when it came out. Yeah. So I, I'm see like playing it, I can see the ambition of trying to do trying to go bigger. Yes. And like a lot like um oh I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the Gold? the guy they keep no, the guy they keep cutting back to in the past. Oh, Laguna. Laguna. I like I can I see, don't like this. Like, I have played it a lot. Yeah. No, I'm glad I'm glad you have that reference. But like that's I'm obviously seeing a lot of like what Seven did with Zach Fair in Laguna. Right, right. Like, okay, there's I aspects, that. uh, there's aspects point, yeah. of Seven that I think like they were like, well, we could probably tweak this to Yeah. In this kind of aspect. Um But as I said, I think like the creativity just gets a bit too wild at points. And it, like the moment I had to stop and just laugh was finding it was when you find out all of the main, all of your main party all came from the same orphanage, but had lost their memories. But not only that, the evil sorceress wizard was also all of your foster mother. I'm going to, I'm going to spoil something for you that, but not only that, but not only that, the evil sorceress yeah. has not actually been herself, but was possessed by a different evil sorceress from the future. You got all this out of two discs. Yeah, man. I think I'm. I think I'm a little bit into three. I'm in. Okay, I, right. I just hit space. That's. Oh, you are way <laughs> near the end. Then in that case. Okay, I, I thought just I was a little... hit space. <laughs> that's yeah. Like that's yeah. We we are in space now, uh, and that's yeah, on actually, top of that. There is kind of a comparison to be drawn between the trajectory of the Fast and the Furious and this game. <laughs> oh, I can I can just start like rattling things off from eight. Do you know what? I can start rattling things off and try to have you guess if it's from Fast and Furious or from Final Fantasy VIII. Go on. Oh, do it. (sighs) 
Now, okay, I will come back to this. I'm going to have the I, Fast and Furious shot a dog off their arm yet. I don't believe so. <laughs> I, do you know what? I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do a bit of research on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll tell you what. That's like, a, that's I, a, that... I want to I want to segue to Katie for a second there. You say you've played this, or as you've just discovered. Uh, what do you remember <laughs> about this? So I haven't played all of it, um, but I do remember playing it as a kid on the PlayStation One. And then I bought it again a couple of years ago when it was remastered for the Xbox. But it was a lot more mathematical than I remember it being. So I got a bit overwhelmed and just shut it off. Um, But I think my biggest takeaway, apart from all the bizarre stuff, was the GFs. The, the summon monsters you summon in the, the yeah. summon monster, so like the big fire lion and the ice woman and oh uh, great times yeah well i think you've actually hit upon why i don't find eight as compelling i do there are things to like about it certainly i wouldn't have finished it if there wasn't like you know it's i said to, Ke- to kev in the whatsapp like you know like, I've played all the other Final Fantasies a few times. I only just completed eight for the first time, like, four or five years ago. So 20 years to complete it. Uh, but, like, the thing I struggle with, and maybe I'm playing it wrong, is that the battle system incentivizes you to just keep throwing the, the GFs, the summons, out over and over again. And there's no real consequence to it. So you just kind of end up doing it out of habit because... You have to draw magic out of enemies, which means it's limited. You can't top it up at ends and stuff. So I ended up just like throwing the summons out over and over and sticking a podcast on in the background or something. So I mean, yeah. that's, that's basically my playstyle. <laughs> so it suits like, me. But like it's not like you're kind of not playing it anymore, you know? But the game kind of punishes you if you don't play it that way. I see yeah, no downsides. No, that's <laughs> it. You play it differently, Kev. No, that's exactly how I've been playing it. Right. Um, and and that is also kind of backed up. I'm playing the remaster, which ah. um all, like all I, I'm assuming the the pixel remasters have done this, but pretty much all the bigger uh re-releases of like one through ten have introduced game boosters into the remasters because you know, these are some decades old. Sorry, games. what's a game booster? So these are like you'll hit like the right trigger and you can have the game at run at three times speed. Oh, you can okay. have all of your characters suddenly enter limit break. Uh and you can do like you can not another button means you take no damage. Eight okay. is actually interesting. Because I, I, I have twelve on the switch and that has the fast forward and that made things a lot better. Mm. But uh okay, because like that's another thing about the fight system. You only enter your limit break when you're low on health. So if you're playing the game well you kind of never get to have the fun bit, you know? And if you're low on health, you're going to heal your health and then you never use it. Like, you know, it's just, it. Uh, the I get the ambition, but the whole fight thing, like I like the concept of drawing magic out of enemies and sort of equipping it as your thing. That's cool. Uh, but like, it's sort of like, it's the whole battle system feels like it's trying to stop you having fun, you know? Yeah, no, because the only the only downside to the GFs that I could find is that when they're loading, they have their health bar. Yes. But their health bars are always far and away larger than your characters. Yeah, and so even if their health unle- bars run out, you've still got your health bar. Yeah, so like, all you've just done is, now you can't summon that one GF. Yes. Which, by a point in the game, you have like four per character. Yes. 
That's just it. I feel like um, 10 had the best compromise, which was that you could summon a monster, your party left, you only had your summon for a little while, and then you had to go back. Essentially, you could use them if to solve all your problems if mm. you wanted, but that was a choice you made. Like, you know, it yeah. didn't feel yeah. like everything was geared around them, you know? Oh, I think I think 10, out of the turn-based systems, I think 10 has the best. If, I agree. For, one of my favorite things was it simply telling you the turn order. Yes, just, that was Just great. so you could actually figure out what is happening. That's right. And like you'd get lots of the, like lots of the battles had like little customizable events, depending on where you were. Like, you know, like there's a bit where you're swimming against a monster chasing you. You can open gates and stick them behind things and all that. And 10-2 had the lovely job change system in combat. I still think that's way ahead of its time. Like, you know. I still haven't played. I, I keep meaning to, but I haven't gotten around to 10 10-2, like, ignore, if, I hate to say this because it sound, makes me sound old, but ignore the haters. 10-2 is actually a <laughs> yeah. blast to play. It's great fun. Um... Yeah, no. Sorry, I got us. Like... I got us off track on eight. So here's a question: Where do you think eight's gonna end? <laughs> now, now, I like listen. I've played a lot of Final Fantasy, and fourteen <laughs> runs this same trajectory where it goes all around the world. The end of fourteen, or at least the end of like the last expansion right. of fourteen. As you go to the end of the universe itself, yeah, I'm expecting something similar from eight at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 in the ballpark. I mean, look, you've spoiled Phantom Fury. Yeah, basically, Ultimicia is a time witch, and she's kind of compressing time, and you have to go inside a castle she's kind of made at the center of time and go through a lot of trials and all that kind of stuff. You know, so yeah, you mean like yeah, there's a playbook. You go to the center of the world, the center of the universe, whatever, and you kill God. Yeah, the last is yeah. The last ten. I won't say what how it ends, but the last ten minutes of the game are really weird and baffling uh, because they have to explain all the time travel stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's I don't know. I found the game really hard to engage with emotionally because, like, I was never sure if Renoa was like Laguna's daughter. Or, like, what's the connection? There's a weird magic sister ball has, like, all that kind of stuff. It always kind of... I could tell it was a love story. And I thought it was, that, that's really unique for Final Fantasy, like, you know, to put it at the time, to put that at the center of it. But I always felt that, like, the characters were just a bit wonky. Like, Squall's a bit too surly to mm. kind of hold your attention. I think the balance was right with Cloud. Uh, and... Then, apart from, obviously, Quistus with the whip, like, the other three friends are just a bit stock, you know? Like, like every character in 7 and 9 is hugely memorable. You can, like, remember a big significant thing they all do. But I just feel like, I don't know, like, 8's a little underwritten in that respect. Like, how do you find it, like, Kev? I think, no, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same kind of page. I okay. think, like, it, it shot for the stars, but then caught, kind of lost sight of itself in that. And then, you know, now that we are eight games removed from it itself mm. it seems like you know every, from nine onwards they kind of took the parts that would have worked in it and completely like refined them to a mirror sheen elsewhere yeah. like i've heard the argument made that if you made eight now zell would have been the main character because he's your typical spiky haired protagonist 
I'm not sure if it necessarily would have made it better, but it's just interesting that like, I suppose there's lightning in 13, but by and large, we've kind of settled on sort of your stock Final Fantasy characters. Uh, like, you know. I'd refute that because yeah. like lightning was kind of a, a stoic Warus. Um, out of the out of the 15 boys, uh, Noctis, your main character, was the was the was the broody loner type. Okay, all right. Especially considering that. like you had a Zell in 15 in Prompto. And uh, listen, I we can talk about it soon. 16. Boy, if there is a Final Fantasy protagonist as moody as Squall, it is Clive Rosfield. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we may have time for it. I'm going to quickly zip through Crisis Core, if that's okay. Uh, Please, actually. Because um, this is the remake, right? Yes. Now, it's actually, uh, for anyone who's not, because you kind of alluded to it earlier, Final Fantasy VII has this big cliffhanger thing where uh, we travel the whole game with Cloud. He boasts about how he's a number one soldier, first class. And then it turns out near the end that he wasn't, it was all delusion he came up with in his head. The real person who went on his adventures was Zack. And we don't get to see what happened with Zack. So Crisis Core is kind of a prequel. The story of Zack and how all the villains ended up where they need to be at the start of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, it was one of my favorite games on the PSP. It's just, it's got the, I think my favorite game mechanic. And maybe you can like, uh, you, have you ever heard of this at all, Katie? Crisis Core, yeah. yeah. I haven't play played it? it, but I'm I'm vaguely familiar with it. Okay, well then maybe you can call me on it if I say something wrong. But like, it's got a mechanic in it where you only play as Zack the whole way through. Hacking, slashing things with swords, all that. Uh, but while you're playing, a slot machine is going invisibly in the background. And the slot machine has the faces of his friends. And depending on how well you know your friends and all that kind of stuff, if all their faces line up, you will not only get a memory of something you didn't see off screen, some conversation they didn't have, maybe a fun one, maybe a serious one, but then he will do an attack based on his relationship to the friend. So like the uh, Aerith is this love interest, like she'll heal him, like his mentor will give him a pep talk and he'll, you know, get revved up and punch some guys. The suits who he's, the Turks who he's kind of slightly ambivalent to, They'll do like an airstrike drone thing from far away. So like there's the character's like personality is woven into the game mechanics, which you don't kind of see a lot of, at least I don't nowadays. So I think it's one of the most fun games. It's one of the best prequels because it's one of those prequels that actually does make the thing it's based on better. Like, it's not like, oh, here's all the stuff you've done before. Isn't it quaint that we're all related? Bah. You know, that kind of stuff. It does kind of feel very earnest. It actually kind of interrogates what it's like to be a soldier and kind of have this weird thing of being both an oppressor and like a protector, that whole thing. Um, in terms of like the remaster, they've changed out the voice cast, which I still find a bit unsettling, but I'm not going to like give notes on a new voice. It's not their job to sound as the samey as the previous cast. They just do what they do. But what, the do remaster... Go on. Do you mean that the remaster doesn't have famous Japanese pop star Gact? <laughs> that I don't know. See, I only ever uh, like played it in English, so I don't know if Gact's in it or not. But you are right. Yeah, and actually, this harkens into a weird thing. I haven't played the Seven remake, so I don't know if this is the voice cast of the remake. 
being transferred onto this game, if you get me. Right. But, but it is faithful. It is the same game with like some graphical things. They've improved some mechanics. They make it easier to find treasure chests and kind of navigate the mission menus and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's if you haven't checked it out, even if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, it's great fun. It's a really nice, easy to get like sword hack slasher. And if you are in the Final Fantasy VII world, like there's loads of Easter eggs. If not, I think it's a perfectly serviceable game. And I I don't know, it just gets me in the feels. I love it every time I play it. And the only thing I'll say about it is it feels like it's building towards a sequel to Final Fantasy VII that may never exist. Because you mentioned Gax. That's that's what they were building up with Dirge of Cerberus and Genesis and all that kind of stuff. I don't except, know if that's now scrapped, but it's still a great kind- game. Oh, I do have a negative though, which is that there's DLC, which in, uh, which like for an extra 20 quid, don't buy it. It's not worth it. Uh, it's, okay. It does not affect gameplay at all. You get what is called a mini soundtrack and 40 posters. And the mini soundtrack is seven songs and you can't even like download them onto your Spotify or anything. It is literally just a separate file. I was expecting like at least a few costumes or maybe the full album or something that could end. But no, it's just literally a separate file. I completely skip it. I was lucky that I got it on sale. So it was just basically the same full price. But nah, skip. I got tricked. Don't let it happen to Uh, you. Now, you mentioned about a sequel to Final Fantasy VII we never got. Yeah. How much do you know about the seven remakes? Other than the fact they changed things, basically nothing. And I do apologize. We've three. No, I don't, I don't want. I don't so... want. Like in case you ever want to get around to playing them, I won't give defined details. Right. But that's the thing. It it is almost working as a pseudo sequel to that original seven franchise. Okay, I know. Like the plot lines diverge. I know yeah. that much. But the well, it, it, in a weird kind of like multiversal sense the original seven still exists outside okay. of this canon kind of into it the is... Spider-Verse type stuff sort of it's it's, okay. it's a funky meta narrative sort of thing in a way that i can see why people are upset i love it oh <laughs> it's... no like i would be more upset if it was the same and like yeah. you know but they change things just for the sake of changing them if it's clearly different sure that gives them like a free like you know pass to do whatever they want go crazy yeah. with it why not um, like it came out back in like 2019 2020 and mm. i finished that being like wow i can't believe that right now i am most excited about final fantasy 7 of which that that sequel now comes out the start of next year and i oh nice <laughs> see it's I, I don't have a playstation 4 or 5 so i'll probably never get to play it uh I will say, I really just hope they release uh, Dirge of Cerberus on the PS5 or the Switch or something. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, I played the hell out of Dirge Oh, you played Cerberus. it? <laughs> yeah. Man. You... Oh, actually, sorry. I never went to UK. Like, what do you remember about Crisis Core? Um, Other than I've seen maybe five or ten seconds of my housemate playing it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. She was, she was very excited for it, so, you know. <laughs> well how would i what, what if i told you that one of the sequels to crisis core was a butt rock uh first person shooter with a vampire Ooh. oh that's dirge yeah. cerberus lots of people seem to hate dirge of cerberus but i i it's one of my favorite games i don't know it's why like no ob- it. objectively it's a poorly built game but it is also a wild ride 
Imagine if you will, Katie, that you are the emo vampire from the Final Fantasy VII series, and you have lots of guns, and if guns don't work, you can turn into not one, but two different types of monster to fight an evil organization that is kidnapping people to make a monster that will end the world. Sounds at amazing. One point, at one point, you have to do a covert secret mission as a cat. Where do I sign? <laughs> you signed 15 years ago on the PlayStation 2. But oh. I'm hoping that this will be this will get it over the edge into being remastered. It would have to be remastered for the Switch. The graphics would probably be poor nowadays. But it was a spin-off's go. It was like it didn't lean too much on like nostalgia or anything. It was properly its own game, wasn't it, Kev? Oh yeah, no. It was its own identity. I could what that identity is messy, fraught, and certainly like mid two thousands, but it was its own identity. Oh yeah, totally. And like you did get like his backstory. There was a lot to pull on to make a game. It's not like they were just inventing it out their ears or anything. Like you know, like it was yeah, the no, little the, game that could. Yeah, no, it's like it was. It was definitely the the thing that kind of put put the axe in the seven the seven franchise for about a decade i still uh, don't know why i don't like i like i get how it might have I, dated but like it's not like it's I, cringy or like insane. no but it is like as i said it's i had the fun with it it's not a good game on paper because it is extra like there's they there it is extremely repetitive <laughs> like yeah, the gunplay does not change throughout the entire time you get to be a cat once, <laughs> I like that. I can enough. see, yeah, I can see why it like compared compared to the spikes in quality that like the other seven games, like you know, seven obviously itself is a masterpiece. As you mentioned, Crisis Core does a lot of fun, interesting things. <laughs> this feels like oh, we have a year and we need to put out a shooter. Okay, all right, all right. I suppose that's fair. I'm still yeah. gonna. We never got. There was a. I know we're kind of running up against time. There was a mobile game released about the Turks. I think it was called Before Crisis. Yes. In Japan, which had a full-on narrative that tied into, like, uh, Crisis Core and Dirt Service, and characters from it came and went, and never made it out of Japan, unfortunately. But, you know, I'd like, because they're bringing back the the whole kind of, like, seven anthology in a big way, there's another mobile game coming out sometime it might be before the end of this year called ever crisis okay now i don't know much about it It might be a kind of a it might be a gambling gotcha game so be warned about that but it looks like it's taking a lot of kind of mission-based structures throughout all of that original seven anthology ever crisis stuff included and the thing is i'm i i wish it wasn't like a predatory gambling microtransaction <laughs> game because the thing is is it it looks like a a a kind of a faithful remaster of 7 in the chibi kind of blocky art style okay all right like it looks really good but it will be designed to vacuum money from you oh sugar well look as long as it's not like chocobo racer or something like that you know <gasps> you leave the chocobos if, 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 out if it's of it's a this. game at the end of the day i'll 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 try and seal my wallet know, give it a go you know did you know though that that chocobo racing game has been rebranded with all the microsoft hexes taken out i think it might be free to play now oh my god oh they 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 u-turned that 
<laughs> I made it just a full ass game. Those poor oh chocobos God. never hurt anybody. Because I, I, I love. I used to play the hell out of chocobo racing on the PS One. Really? Oh yeah, it was my jam. It was. Listen, it was a very cheap Mario Kart clone. I loved it. It, it <laughs> had like six characters and three stages, but I played the hell out of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you're 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 warming me up to it now. <laughs> I can't. I've looked. You cannot get it anywhere. PS One discs go for a bomb. <laughs> I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk about Final Fantasy 16. By the way. But we are out of time. So, Kev, is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to say before we wrap? Uh, no. Um, I think I think my my plug is go watch all of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> Hell of a drug. <laughs> oh my goodness! What about you, uh, Mannequin Blue? Uh nothing other than the usual stuff: Twitch, acutely morbid, all that kind of thing. Follow the socials and just support Irish artists. That's just it. Okay. Now, uh, we will be back next week as always. I won't say what we'll be covering next week because, frankly, I don't know when this episode will be going out. But thank you very much for listening. Until next time, I've been Kian. I've been Kev. And, and we've also been here. <laughs> Lots of us have been here. We're all a big family. And until next time, bye. 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 Family. Family. Squall. Alright, so you're listening to the podcast, you're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland, how do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nerdthnowmedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Media everywhere. Media on Twitter. Media Instagram. Media on Twitch. Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Check out the Rest and Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM every Tuesday at 8pm to 9pm. And of course, over on NerdToKnowMedia.com, the only wrestling podcast by wrestling fans who don't hate wrestling. We'll see you then. Hey, Dara, what are you doing over there in Ireland? Like with the freaking leprechauns and everything. That's not cool. You should be over there with the God players. At least then you could, like, I don't know, pretend like you got, I don't know, some kind of thing going on. Yeah, with that. You give me a Brooklyn wave. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 